Let's pray. Sanctify us with your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. I don't intend this to be an overly personal question, but I think the nature of it is that it would be. Uh, So you don't have to volunteer your answers with a hand, but I do want you to think about what are the times in your life, you who are experienced uh, veterans of this world, when are you most vulnerable? Have you thought about that? When are you the most vulnerable? And by vulnerable, I mean the most susceptible, the most uh, likely to to kind of hedge on some of the things that you would normally take a stand on, the most susceptible to doing something that normally you would say, I would never do. Is it when you're tired? Like as in one hour less of sleep? Do you find yourself vulnerable? Or, or is it when you're overworked and stressed and your mind is just so focused on the matter at hand and that inevitably leads to exhaustion too and, and you find that you are more vulnerable than other times? Or, or, or is it, have, have you noticed, is it when you, when you come off of a big victory and you're thinking all is going well, Life has handed me everything I could ever want. And then you find that you're vulnerable and you set yourself up for a fall. Maybe it's something as simple as when you're watching your favorite TV show. Kids get that. Because they know if they want something from mom and dad, find when they are busy doing the things they want to do and then ask them. Because if mom and dad are watching the show they want and the kid wants a cookie, hey mom, can I have that cookie? Yeah, whatever, go ahead. Vulnerable. They know how to play it. I'm asking because today we're going to see just how vulnerable we are when it comes to something that we call temptations. And Jesus, who is our Savior, our substitute, he was vulnerable as well. But the big difference between Jesus and ourselves is that in his vulnerability, he didn't give in to temptation. Whereas we, well, that's a different story. His pain is our gain because today we celebrate his victory. And normally when we talk about Christ's victory, we run all the way to the empty tomb on Easter morning. But today, we see his victory in the fact that he withstood and so firmly temptations that would normally dominate our lives. I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 4. It's, it's one of the accounts in the Gospels about Jesus being led into the wilderness and being tempted in a very direct way by the devil himself. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and following. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. 
and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This, this is the word of our Lord. So just for the sake of being very blunt with you, we do not take temptations very seriously. In fact, we all too often kind of make a joke about temptations. Just think about how that phrase might be used in our lives. Uh, I actually have, we, our family has a cat, Murphy. He's not a nice cat. I don't really care for the cat. But we have a cat and we have the responsibility to take care of him. And what would the name of his treats be? Temptations. Because that's how we use the word temptation. It's like going to a restaurant and the waiter comes with the dessert menu. Don't tempt me. Do you realize the power of temptations and what the real purpose is? You see, temptations isn't just cheating on a diet. It's not deciding to skip the gym for a day or a year. A temptation is an attack of the devil himself trying to get us to second guess and cave on something that the Lord himself would say is essential in our walk with him. And so when you think about all the things that we concern ourselves on a day-to-day basis with, the things that we find when we open up uh, the, the computer to look at the news for the day, or for those of you who still read the newspaper, or turn on the television, and we think of all the things we're concerned about, another, another shooting that happened, or another uh, tragedy that struck, another outbreak, another, another issue that needs to be dealt with, and those preoccupy our minds, and yet... Where would we put in our lives the daily battle against temptations? It probably doesn't register very well. And part of that reason is because we fail to recognize who's behind them. 
when you look at Luke chapter 4, it makes it very clear when Jesus was out in the desert, he was tempted by the devil. Do you realize that so often we have bought into the notion that the devil is really this non-existent, harmless figment of imagination? And therefore, if that is the predominant mindset, then why would we be concerned about any temptations that would theoretically come from him? I've mentioned it before in, in Bible studies and perhaps in a message. If the predominant mind or, or, or thought that you have when you hear the word devil is this cute little kid dressed up in a red suit with, with horns and a, an artistic pitchfork, The devil's got you right where he wants you. Because if that's our notion, that he's just this this figment of an imagination or uh, an an invention of of Halloween or, or, or simply something that parents have created to try to scare children, then why take him seriously? And yet, Scripture speaks so openly about one, a fallen angel who is prowling around just as a lion might, looking for someone to devour. Enter Jesus into the desert. That's what makes this account so compelling and yet so vital for us, is that Jesus is going toe-to-toe, one-on-one, with the devil, and yes, he finds himself in a very vulnerable state. He is coming off of a, a, a mountaintop experience in the sense that he was full of the Spirit, The account before this was his own baptism where he had the Spirit descend upon him, the voice from heaven acclaiming him. And now at that moment where we might be vulnerable after a big victory, our brother, Jesus, is tempted by the devil. And what an amazing account we have here. This is what it says. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. 40 days! He ate nothing during those days. Another vulnerability. You and I who get hungry and then hangry and then very vulnerable. And so the devil comes at him with the choicest of temptations. There there are so many aspects of these temptations that we could talk about, but just allow me to share with you some things here. Uh, The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Doesn't it seem like a fairly benign request? You're hungry. It's been 40 days, Jesus. Go ahead and, and just turn this stone into bread. But, but did you hear the, the way it was prefaced? If you are the Son of God. You see, the temptation is clear. The devil wanted Jesus to bite here. If you are the Son of God, because the Son of God implies you are God himself. You are all-powerful. And there are certain standards that the Son of God ought to have. If you are the Son of God, then show it. Live like it. Snap your fingers and you have 
the world's delight in front of you? Oh, come on, just turn this stone into a piece of bread that you can take a bite. Because you're entitled to that as a son of God. What is he showing? The devil is trying to get God in the person of Jesus Christ to question his relationship with the Father and his purpose here on earth. You see, Christ's greatest glory is that he didn't always make use of his divine power and glory because he became our brother. To which the devil could succeed if he would just get Jesus to turn his back on his role as our brother. Or how about this one? The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of this world. I will give you all their authority and splendor. For it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. Yes, we know that the devil was speaking a bit out of turn here, but in a sense he was 100% accurate. Ever since the fall of man, this world is now under his dominion. In fact, isn't that why Jesus came to this world? To be the savior of the world? To gain it back? And the devil simply saying, I'll give it to you. You don't have to go through any more. Just worship me for a moment. Had it been I? Forty days in the wilderness, hungry, and not exactly thrilled about what would be lurking ahead of me for the next three years of my ministry? Okay. I've worshipped other gods for far less. Or what about this one? The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. And then he even cites a portion of Scripture to to justify this temptation. Again, with that phrase, if you are the Son of God, questioning his relationship to the Father in heaven and and whether, does your Father actually care for you? He who is allowing you to be down here, going through this time of suffering, cast yourself down and let the Lord, your God, the Father, show you how much he cares for you. You do see how those temptations daily rear their heads in our lives, don't you? How often the devil finds the most vulnerable path to our hearts and he tries to exploit it. Whether it is getting us to question God, our Father's care and concern for us, whether it is putting in front of us opportunities for greed and for the accumulation of power, all this could be yours. Or whether it's taking the, the easy but improper route and turning our back to the cross that sometimes we carry as God's children here on earth. Christ was going through a time of pain and it's to our gain. Because when we look at it from our perspective, we say, oh, come on. It's just one sin. 
Okay, Jesus, we can understand. From our perspective, we have fallen for far less. If you want to make that stone bread, if you want to just worship the devil for just a brief moment, we get it. We've been there. We've done it. And that already shows the inroads that have happened in our lives when we minimize sin to the extent that we say it's not a big deal. And yet, do you realize that this was a situation in which your eternity was hanging in the balance. We frequently refer to Jesus as our perfect substitute. Perfection is ruined by one imperfect thing. All it would have taken was just one angry, sinful word one angry, sinful, okay, fine, I will do it. One disagreement with the Father's will. All it would have taken was giving in to that temptation one time and everything that Jesus had come to do would have been for naught. We would not have the perfect substitute. We wouldn't have victory. But there in the middle of that desert stands the victor your Savior. The one who has been tempted in every way, just as you, but he stands in perfection that he might take that perfection to the cross and clothe you with it. That's the key truth we have in this account. And yet, there is one more part to highlight. Did you catch how it started? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. God wanted Jesus there. God wanted Jesus there going on -on one-on-one with the devil. That he might defeat him, that he might claim his victory, but I think there's also a compelling reason to think that he might show us how we too can combat the temptations that run rampant in our lives. Did you catch how Jesus systematically defeated the devil? For every temptation, Jesus, he quotes scripture. And that makes sense because we know from God's word that it's referred to as the sword of the spirit. A sword, something that we can go on the offensive with when attacked by the devil, when temptations come our way, we can take our firm stand in God's word and say, no, there is a greater path, a better path. It's God's way. And so it's interesting. Jesus does it by quoting sometimes unknown sections from the book of Deuteronomy. How many of us here can quote the book of Deuteronomy efficiently? Not many. Not any. And so we can pick from all of God's word and we can wield that spirit to withstand the temptations of the devil. But you know what that means? It means becoming equipped and becoming armed. It means spending time learning truth that we might use truth to diffuse falsehood. No pain, no gain. 
That might be a model that we would use in our lives and in order to, to equip ourselves for a better future, we might put some pain in in the gym. We might go through the dieting. We might go through two jobs so that we can save up enough money for that retirement home. We might put in extra hours going to school so that we can achieve that degree because it's going to be worth it. Friends, what about simply putting our time in to equip ourselves with the knowledge of God's Word that will allow us to fight temptation with truth? And what is more? What about making that a priority for the next generation? We have so many parents in the world right now who want what's best for their children. You can see it in their faces. They're trying to figure out what can we give our children. We want them to have a better life than we. We'll put them in every program we could possibly afford. We're going to shower them with love and support. Let's bring them up in God's word. That they, firmly rooted in the knowledge and truth of a Savior from sin, firmly rooted in the will of our Father in heaven, firmly rooted in all that is good and right and pure, when temptation comes their way, they can take their stand and they can say, but Scripture says. And what is more? So that even when we do give in to temptation... And we do fall short of the glory of God. And we do recognize our sinfulness. They are equipped with the knowledge of the one who stood in the desert, toe-to-toe with the devil, and won. With the confidence that that victory is now ours. This Sunday we take a close look and we recognize our vulnerabilities when it comes to the the tempter's ability. But we don't stand in the battle alone. But rather we stand with one who has already won. We stand with the victor, Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds. In Jesus our Lord, amen.